The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, July 29th. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers for a massive trade edition of the podcast. We'll get Chris's reactions to all of the trades. Your fantasy trade deadline is approaching. We have some last-second players for you to acquire, maybe some to sell as well. We know that Chris is the man behind the scene with the trade chart, so we'll get some thoughts there on moves that we should be making. We'll recap all of Wednesday's action and so much more. Chris, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. A lot going on today. It was a busy, busy, busy baseball day. I mean, I hope Friday is more busy than tomorrow just because I'm off Friday, you know, <laughs> selfishly. Please, but please don't say that, Chris. Love a busy trade deadline. You know, it's much more fun. 100%. It's definitely fun. It's awesome for baseball. It could be awesome for fantasy, depending on where your players land. And we'll talk about all that, yeah. especially some relievers here. Uh, that's going to change some things. But yeah, we'll be around Friday. We'll, any big trades that happen the next couple of days, actually, we'll have some emergency podcasts for you. We currently have some up with myself and Scott's reactions to the Starling Marte trade, Joey Gallo and Eduardo Escobar. But let's start with Starling Marte. He was traded away from your Miami Marlins, Chris to the Oakland A's in exchange for Jesus Lazardo, which is just like, a, uh, that's, it's a crazy I trade. It's a really, really fun trade. Marte's having an awesome season, 3.7 fantasy points per game, tied for third among outfielders, 22nd best outfielder in Roto this season, despite missing 37 games with injury. Give me your reaction to all of it. What does this mean for Stalling Marte's value? Jesus Lazardo, what do you think for his dynasty value? Where does he fit in with the Marlins? Everything. So I'll start off with Marte downgrade. I think because the lineup and the park are better, it can be close to a wash, but you know, the Marlins are second in stolen bases this season. The athletics are 16th and that's a big part of why Starling Marte has been so good is he's got those 22 stolen bases uh, in like what? 68 games or 63 games, something like that. Um, and he's been on a 45 steal pace since getting traded to the Marlins last season. So this has been, you know, he hasn't run at that kind of pace basically since 2017. He was more like a 20 to 25 steal guy uh, the last couple of years with the Pirates. So the Marlins really let him run, you know, obviously. I think he has 27 RBI, 52 runs scored. The run production numbers haven't been great. And that's what I think he benefits from in the move to Oakland. Because now instead of hitting behind 
a pitcher and whoever the Marlins are throwing out at leadoff on that day. I think they have a 319 uh, OBP from their leadoff men this season. He'll be hitting behind the number nine hitter who's going to be bad, but you know, probably someone like Elvis Andrews. And then Mark Canna, who is really, really good and has a 379 OBP. I think he's been above 373 straight years. So Starling Marte is going to have a lot more run producing opportunities. And I mean, the runs, man, the Marlins have not scored many runs, but Adam Duvall and Jesus Aguilar have driven in all of them. And so Starling Marte has actually been on a really, really good uh, run pace. I think he's on like 130 pace for the, for the season. Yeah, um, he's on a 51 steal pace this year as well. Like 22 steals in what yeah. he's done. Like the power is down, but batting average steals, runs, that's exactly what you want Starling Marte for. The one thing I'll push back on there, Chris, is mm-hmm. for Oakland, I hear you with the steal numbers, but isn't that kind of based on who your personnel is? Like they've let Canna yeah. run this year, which is right. pretty surprising. Ramon Laureano ran a lot early on in the season, which yeah. you were actually right about. The steals have completely slowed up for him. But I think they know what they're getting in Marte. Like maybe he doesn't run as much, but I still right. think he's going to run. I, I think the biggest thing is that you go from the number nine hitters for the Marlins have averaged a two, I think it's nineteen or two twenty OPS for the season. Yikes! Um, pitchers, man, <laughs> and the leadoff hitters, as I said earlier, were three nineteen. For the A's, it's like two ninety seven. I think for the number nine hitters and three sixty three seventy one for the leadoff spot. Obviously. Can has been there primarily. I would expect he'll stay there and Marte will hit second. So it's not just that the A's are, I think, philosophically more opposed to running than the Marlins are. But I think it's also just that he's going to have fewer opportunities because he's going to have guys on base ahead of him a lot more often. You know, you think about maybe anywhere from 10 to 15 percent more often, which isn't nothing. But when you're talking about a category like stolen, which isn't a ton, but when you're talking about a category like stolen bases, which are inherently scarce and inherently rare, you know, there's a possibility that he just goes through a weird stretch where he just gets on base and there's someone on ahead of him every time and he won't have an opportunity to get a steal. So I think overall, it's a little bit of a downgrade. I'm not saying I'm moving Marte down in my rankings, but, you know, he's, I think his value is lower today than it was with the mark. All right, in one minute or less, give me your grand scheme thoughts on Jesus Lazardo from Dynasty, what it means for the Marlins. I mean, he's having an awful season. Do you think yeah. he bounces back? Even in AAA, and generally speaking, when a top prospect struggles like this and gets traded, you figure the, the team that's trading them knows something that the acquiring team doesn't or you know something like that. But in this instance, the Marlins have been so good at getting not just the guys that they draft and develop and sign, but also the guys that they've traded for. Sandy Alcantara was one of them. Uh, Sixto Sanchez was another. They've done a really good job of developing guys. So you look at the raw tools that Lazardo has. He's you know, got good size for a lefty. He can throw. I mean, he's a fastball average 96 miles an hour this season. So there's definitely skill there. He was arguably the top pro- pitching prospect in baseball heading into last season. So I think you look at it all with the situation that the Marlins have, good ballpark, um, I think you probably want to buy low on on him in Dynasty if you get the opportunity. And if he gets called back up or if he you know, reports straight to the Marlins, I'm going to add him in some of my deeper leagues and just see if they can figure something out. You know, The Marlins, I think, have earned that at this point with their pitching. Yeah, Jesus Lozardo is currently 32% rostered on CBS. 
And the last update we saw is that the Marlins have not decided if Lazardo will immediately join the rotation. So at least it's something that they are considering. It's in the back of their minds. By the way, yeah. if you're a Marlins fan, the future of this pitching staff, and I, I know like it doesn't always work out. The Mets had all these young starting pitchers, but yada, yada, yeah, yada. I mean, it's, it's pitching. But Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, Pablo Lopez, Sixto Sanchez, Jesus Lazardo, Edward Cabrera. Wow. Max Meyer's better than Edward Cabrera. <laughs> Max he's Meyer. He's higher in all uh, prospect lists. So, and he's a double A. That's Edward Cabrera's a triple A now. So, wow. I mean, they're they're going to trade one of those guys. I'm, sure. I'm fairly certain of it. They 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 need about seven bats. Yes. Um, and, and they did it last so, year. They traded, or two yeah. years ago, they traded Zach Gallen straight Gallen up for, for Jazz you. Chisholm. So, maybe they look yeah. to do something like that. As well, let's move into Joey Gallo right here, baby. The Bronx Bombers. And before we do that, oh, you always want to talk about your favorite team. I know this is his official entrance music to New York. You're yes, the Yankees down the in all the good times, you're still a bargain. Joey Gallo, man. Look, <laughs> it's a match made in heaven. I don't know what else you need to add. I saw the uh. Who was it? Roto Nino, Roto underscore Nino on Twitter. He mm-hmm. had like the stat cast numbers for what would Joey Gallo's home runs be if he played in Yankee Stadium, and it would be 29 instead of 25. So not a huge number, but short portion right field. Uh, the full trade, by the way, Joey Gallo and reliever Yoeli Rodriguez for four prospects from the Yankees. Pitcher Glenn Otto, second baseman Ezekiel Duran, uh, shortstop Josh Smith, and second base slash outfielder Trevor Hover. Gallo. How much are you moving him up, Scott? Uh, Scott, Chris? Um, I don't think you... like The thing about Gallo and Marte is like even though I do think this is better for Gallo, even though I do think Marte loses value, I don't really think they're the kind of guys that you move up, move up or down because of a trade, really. like they're, they're so set and so much of their value comes from what they actually do as opposed to the context that they're in that like, okay, maybe Gallo hits an extra home run or two. Maybe Marte steals, you know, one or two or three fewer bases. Like, I think it is worse for Marte and better for Gallo, but I'm not really looking at it as like a, oh, wow, I need to move. I need to adjust my rankings. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, his Joey Gallo's power plays anywhere. He's one of those guys where it, yeah, sure, it'll help a little bit that he's in Yankee Stadium, but it's not like... It's not like he's he wasn't hitting home runs in Texas because of the ballpark or anything. I do think it's a slight boost up for other Yankees hitters. It's going to be more run scoring opportunities for DJ LeMahieu, some more RBIs for uh, Aaron Judge and for Giancarlo Stanton. And, uh, you know, we're going to have that conversation later about guys to buy. And I, I almost went with DJ LeMahieu as one of mine. Like, I know he's been awful. I know he's been arguably like not really worth, definitely not worth starting for large stretches of the year, but also not necessarily even worth rostering in some situations, but he's going to be better than this. Like he's going to hit 300 the rest of the way I would bet. And the, the lineup's so good. Like if you get an opportunity to get DJ LeMahieu, I think you should do it. And DJ LeMahieu, look, the numbers are not what we wanted them to be. He's been an underachiever. There's no doubt about that. He's been better and he has an on base streak, which is currently at 37 games. So whatever that's worth for DJ LeMahieu. Uh, the, uh, one of the prospects to pay attention to might have some value this year. Pitcher Glenn Otto between AA and AAA mm-hmm. this season, 3.33 ERA, 1.02 whip. 
115 strikeouts in 75 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, the next trade that we have here, Eduardo Escobar went to the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for infielder Alberto Ciprian, who is an 18-year-old prospect, and outfielder Cooper Hummel, who is a 26-year-old outfielder with high OBP. It's not Miller Park anymore. I think it's American Family Field. Plays very well for left-handed power. Escobar is a switch hitter. I think I actually think this one is a slight boost up for his fantasy value. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen him... He's been fine this season. Uh, you know, that 778 OPS. Has he has he been really good lately? He you has know, bounced Yeah, back. he's had a good July. He's had a good July, yep. I think he's going to be, you know, right around an 800s, low 800s OPS bat. But it wouldn't surprise me to see him go on a stretch, um, you know, like his 2019 season where he drove in a ton of runs. As um, you know, an emailer pointed out to us, I'm sorry, I don't have the name, but they pointed out that... Um, the Brewers, I think, have been third in the majors in runs scored over the last 28 days or something like that. Um, yeah. That lineup's been actually pretty good since Willie Adamas got there. It it would be even better if Christian Elich were hitting, but he was he's still getting on base at least. So I think it's a good situation. I think it's definitely arrow up for, for Eduardo Escobar. Escobar has 65 RBI this season playing for the Diamondbacks. Just think about that. 22 home runs, 246 batting average. Batting average is never going to be great. Maybe it ticks up a little bit here, 250, 260 for him, but power's been very good. Uh, RBI opportunities will be plenty, plentiful with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. A few reliever trades. The Astros acquired Yimi Garcia from the Marlins in exchange for outfielder Brian De La Cruz and pitcher Austin Pruitt. Chris, who do you think? Well, I think, I guess you could drop Yimi Garcia. He's not going to close, obviously, with the Houston Astros. Who do you think yeah. closes for the Miami Marlins? I think it's between Dylan Floro and Anthony Bender. Yeah, I think Anthony Bender would be my pick. Um, but Floro is the one who I don't think either one one of them really has much closing experience. I guess Floro uh, has more experience overall, so maybe they li- tend to go there. But I do think Anthony Bender is the the better pitcher. So absent you know knowledge of what they're likely to do, I think Bender would be the one to pick up. Yeah, and Anthony Bender is ten percent rostered. Much better numbers than, much better underlying numbers than Dylan Floro this season. Floro has fine numbers, but I do think Bender is better. And if you're just looking for a reliever to add for saves, I still do think Paul Seawald is one of the most under-rostered pitchers on CBS right now. Only 30% rostered. The Mariners traded away Kendall Graveman on Tuesday. And unless they make another move for a reliever... I think it's going to be Paul Seawold. Uh, last trade here, Michael Givens was traded from the Rockies to the Reds in exchange for right-handers Case Williams and Noah Davis. Not really much fantasy value to talk about there unless Givens works his way into save opportunities, which I guess you can't rule out given Cincinnati's bullpen this season. All right, let's talk about some stuff that actually happened in the games on Wednesday. Oh my good- goodness gracious! Oh my goodness gracious. Before I actually give you my pick, my pick is Tyler McGill. Joey Votto. That was going to be my pick. I started the podcast yesterday with Joey Votto, Chris. And and like, even ahead of, oh my goodness gracious, like what he's doing right now. Yeah. He hit two more home runs on Wednesday. Another double dong. That's back-to-back multi-home run games for Joey Votto. He now has seven homers over five games, 19 home runs on the season. I'll let you expand on it. We've talked a lot about him recently. And... I told Scott yesterday, I moved him inside my top 12 first baseman, which maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction, but 
he kind of just looks like he's back. Yeah, I mean, and if you had told me Joey Votto was going to reinvent himself late in his career and, you know, either sacrifice some power or sacrifice some contact rate to, to become more of a power hitter as he aged, that would have been what I would have bet on. And I would have bet on him doing it successfully because he's such a talented hitter and such a cerebral player. Um, and we saw it at the end of last season. I was a little bit skeptical coming in. I certainly didn't have him uh, ranked as highly as he's played, but you know, before he got he had, did he have COVID right before the season? I don't recall that happening. I know he, broke. he definitely had COVID at some point. I, there was something where he wasn't there. There were some concerns about whether he'd be ready for the season. I kind of like took him out of my top 200 and just stopped thinking about him really. Yeah, he did. But like he returned to this, the team on March 21st. Yeah, but he's on a 35 homer pace. He's been really, really good this season. Um, and the underlying numbers, you know, obviously this hot stretch has really helped the overall numbers. But you remember early in the season, we were talking about the overall numbers were really, the, the, the underlying numbers were so much better than the overall numbers that, you know, it was kind of like I was trying to figure out what was the reason why he wouldn't be living up to it. And I said, well, he's lost a lot of speed. He's never been a super fast guy, but he was down. He's down to 16th percentile on sprint speed. Maybe he's a little more shiftable and maybe he just wasn't going to hit those expected numbers. He's right at them now, which gives me, you know, actually he's a little still below them. 379 Woba coming into today, 394 X Woba. The fact that those, uh, those match up now, I think that's a, that's reason enough to buy in. 79% rostered is Joey Votto. We've talked about him a ton, a ton recently, so I don't really think there's much else to add, but the guy is just on fire. So love to see it. Hall of Fame push. Let's go. Joey Votto. I want to talk about Tyler McGill, who's up against the Braves on Wednesday. Five and a third, five hits, one run, one walk, six strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 94 pitches for McGill. He's made seven starts now with the Mets. 2.04 ERA, 1.10 whip, 3.89 xFIP. Okay, he's been lucky so far in some areas. His strand rate is very high. I think it's over 90%, and he's had some home run luck. 2.17 expected ERA, so he's really limiting hard contact. Roster rate is up to 76%. I feel a little bit more confident in him than I guess we've given him credit for to this point. So I don't know if he's just going to remain in the Mets rotation the rest of the season, but he's a big pitcher. He's six foot five, six foot six. He has three pitches. Six foot seven. Six foot seven. Yeah, he has three pitches that work next week in line for two starts at Miami, at Philadelphia. I like what I'm seeing from Tyler McGill. I'm, I'm buying in, Chris. I mean, if you look at the, the stat cast stats, he looks like an ace through his seven starts. It's a small sample size, but 258 expected Wobon contact, that is 100 points lower than the league average. We talked about, you know, we talk about Kyle Hendricks being kind of the king of that. Well, Kyle Hendricks is usually in the 330 range. He's Tyler McGill's not going to keep this up. This is an absurd level of quality of contact suppression, but the fact that he's showing that skill is a very good sign, especially because he's combining it with good enough control and a pretty good strikeout rate. I don't know how super sustainable this is, but based on what he's done so far and the skills he's showed, I, I can't make a reasonable argument against him being rostered in every league. Yeah, and if you look at the his numbers at every level in the minors, they, they've been fantastic 
at every mm-hmm. at every stage. I mean, over 10K per nine at every single level. There were a few stops here, small sample sizes. He had an ERA over four at high A in 2019. Some other stuff here. But like, if you look at the, the FIP, the XFIP, and the whip for him, basically at every level, and the swinging mm-hmm. trike rate for Tyler McGill, like it all adds up. So I'm, I'm pretty intrigued. Roster rate's climbing up there. He's 76%, but two starts next week. I think you could just keep him in your lineup at the Marlins and at the Philadelphia Phillies. How about an oh my goodness gracious game? The Twins and Tigers combined for 31 runs on Wednesday. The Twins hit seven home runs in this game, which included two from Miguel Sano, two from Ryan Jeffers, and then one from each of Max Kepler, Brent Rooker, and Jorge Polanco. No home runs by the Tigers. They still yeah, won. Yeah, that's honestly more imp- impressive. The Tigers scored 17 runs without hitting a home run. Yeah, I, I think there was some kind of record. I think it was the first time a team has been out-homered by seven and still won the game. So it's and they, they only had seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, they only had seven extra base hits. Yeah. The so, Twins had seven home runs. Well, the Twins also only had eight extra base hits, but... You know, seven of them were twice as good as the Tigers ones. So that's that's just a wild game. Yeah, it really is. I, I don't know, honestly, if there's much to take away from it. Max Kepler has been really good in the month of July. Brent Rooker, someone Scott and I spoke about yesterday, he has power, has shown that in the minor league level. So in deeper leagues, 15-team roto, if you need power, I think he's a name that you could look at there. For the Tigers, each of Akil Badu, Derek Hill, Jamer Candelario, Willie Castro, Harold Castro, and Grayson Griner had multiple hits. Akil Badu, we know, is very good. Jamer Candelario, he's fine. He's a corner infielder in, in deeper roto leagues if you need one. Not really intrigued by anyone else there. Uh, who started this game? Willie Peralta. That experiment. Yeah, that's the takeaway here. That experiment is over. 11 earned runs over his last two starts. And Jay Happ on the other side. His ERA is now up to 6.77. Bring us Joe Ryan. I want to see what the prospect could do. I think we're getting closer there. Once we get into August, Twins not playing for much. I think they want to get a look at some of these young kids. One thing I will say, it's a very small sample size. He's only played 55 games this season, and his overall sample size is pretty mediocre. But Derek Hill in 2019 hit a career-high 14 home runs. He had only hit nine in his career before that. That was a double-A. He's always had speed, and this season, between the majors and the minors, he's got 10 stolen bases in 55 games. He's hitting probably like high two, a high like 280, 290 range. A lot of that's you know what he did in the minors. He's walking a lot. In an AL only league, for sure, he's he's you know what he's doing right now: six stolen bases in 18 games. Uh, you know actually probably has a 300 batting average now after today. Um, you know, someone to keep an eye on for a deep release because of the speed. Again, the name there, Derek Hill from the yeah. Detroit Tigers has started five of the last six games for them as well. <laughs> the MLB trade deadline is approaching, so let nothing personal with David Sampson be your guide. David Sampson ran a Major League Baseball team for 18 years, so he's no stranger to how trades go down, why trades get accepted, or why offers get a hard no. Nothing personal will have more than just winners and losers. David will provide expert insight and analysis on every trade, no matter what goes down at the deadline. Remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. And I'm especially interested to hear what David has to say regarding these Marlins trades, because they've 
been very interesting for them. Uh, news and notes from Wednesday. The Nationals and Phillies game was postponed due to 12 positive COVID tests for the Nationals. We know that Trey Turner tested positive on Tuesday. Four players, I believe. Yes, four players and eight staff members. Trey Turner, someone who left Tuesday's game because he tested positive. So I would imagine... Look, if... <laughs> If you play in a league where you could set your lineup for Friday through Sunday, which is a lot of NFBC leagues and some mm-hmm. of the Tout Wars leagues, I don't know if the Nationals are just going to have enough players from their taxi squad. I mean, the Yankees figured it out, so I guess the Nationals could too, but... They are playing a doubleheader tomorrow. All right. So. Um, and I believe Turner is... I believe that it's been reported that he is vaccinated. Yeah, um, I mean... So I know, you know, breakthrough cases happen. Yeah. Um, I believe the protocols say that you can come back with a negative test or maybe two negative tests. Um, whereas, you know, you see Aaron judge and how long he's been out. It seems like he's not vaccinated. He, that hasn't been confirmed. He refused to say, but you know, I think you can read between the lines there with how long he's been out. So, you know, it's possible Trey Turner isn't gone for a super long time. Jared Walsh was placed on the IL with a right intercostal strain. He's missed the past couple of days for the Angels, and this is kind of just in conjunction with the the numbers the past month or so have mm-hmm. been taking a step back for Jared Walsh. We had a bunch of players leave their games with respective injuries on Wednesday. Rafael Devers left and was seen rubbing his hamstring. Eloy Jimenez, come on. Come on, man. Seriously, right groin strain for... Eloy Jimenez, who hit just a mammoth home run on Tuesday. He was this is um he was DHing in this game. So I, I thought, all right, maybe if he's playing the outfield, that's why it happened. He was just DHing. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's nothing serious, but Eloy does have a pretty sizable injury track record yep. so far. You remember his rookie season, he missed some time. Um he's a really big dude, you know? Yep, sure is. So. Lourdes Gurriel exited after a hit-by-pitch on his elbow. Buster Posey was removed after taking a foul ball off the mask. Nolan Arenado was removed from Wednesday's action after getting hit by a pitch on his forearm. Nico Horner left the game with side soreness with the Chicago Cubs. We had a Dodgers news dump. Clayton Kershaw will continue rehab on Sunday. Mookie Betts is expected back on Sunday. Corey Seager, all right, finally, he is targeting a return Sometime this weekend, happy to get him back. Uh, Brandon Crawford expected back on Thursday. Luis Severino will throw a simulated game on Thursday. If all goes well, his next move could be a rehab start. Good news there for Luis Severino. Nelson Cruz was scratched Wednesday due to a foot contusion, but he did pinch hit. I believe it was in the eighth or ninth inning while I was watching the game. Mitch Garver was held out after getting hit by a pitch in his hand. That happened on Tuesday. Uh, Luis Robert moved his rehab to AAA on Tuesday, so he is inching closer to a, a return for the I'm White Sox. Say he's here next week. Yeah, I think that would not make sense. like in mine or your apartment, <laughs> or necessarily even New York, but well, in the majors. Are they playing the Yankees next week? No, I, I have no idea. Uh, Chris Archer fired three and two thirds scoreless innings at AAA on Tuesday. He allowed a hit, a walk, and he recorded four strikeouts. He's 17% rostered. I don't know, Chris. <laughs> Archer has been around for a long time. Anywhere you would Not be interested... A long interested, time since he's been good. Anywhere you would be interested in? Was Is he coming back from Thoracic Outlet? It's some something major like that. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, there, there's no way you can expect much from Chris Archer. You've got to see it before viewing him as anything more than an A-only type of guy. Yeah, he I mean, did. It's, he had thoracic. And that is an injury that, as I'm sure you guys talked about with Steven Strasburg news yesterday, yep. that is an injury that, I mean, it's not the worst injury that a pitcher can have. It's, but pretty, it's pretty bad. It's it's generally, if not a career ender, the start of the end of careers for most pitchers who have it. So it's just not a great sign. And also he hasn't had an ERA below four since 2015. Uh, last news item here, Rodolfo Castro, who started at second base for the Pittsburgh Pirates on Wednesday, hit a double dog. And per ESPN stats and info, info Rodolfo Castro is the first player in the modern era since 1900 to have each of his first five career hits go for a home run. One of them, by the way, was off of Josh Hader, so pretty damn impressive. Uh, he's 1% rostered. He was betting 300 at AA this season with 11 homers and six steals. I don't see him on any prospect lists anywhere. There's people that are talking about him, though, and people that are excited about Rodolfo Castro. Do you have anything? One thing to, one thing to add. Sure. Uh, you know, since the modern era, since 1900, there was a guy in the 1900s slash 19 teens whose nickname was Home Run Baker because of how many home runs he hit. He hit 12 for his career high. So I'm going to go ahead and guess there was nobody before 1900 whose first five hits were home runs either. Just putting that out there. Definitely. I'm not a statistician. Definitely but, makes uh, sense. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anything like this will make you take notice. I. I think if you change the parameters to five home runs in his first 23 plate appearances, the list probably expands, which tells you that, you know, one, Rodolfo's had some bad Babbitt luck. Uh, but two, also, you know, five home runs for your first five hits sounds a little more impressive than, you know, five home runs in 23 or 24 plate appearances, but still impressive. He was hitting really well at, Triple A, obviously, you know, a lot of people are hitting at triple A, but it's it's not the PCL or double A, excuse me. Yeah. Look, th- this is the kind of thing that you should take note of. You shouldn't expect it to continue. We've seen God, Matt Davidson, like four or five years ago, had a, a huge first week, didn't turn into anything. <laughs> We've seen that kind of I, I'm sure there are better recent examples, but the first two that came to mind were Matt Davidson and Chris Shelton. So Ooh, throwbacks. Uh, Matt Davidson was definitely the more timely one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's impressive enough that you should, you know, in a 15-team league, if you need some help, sure, look his way. Yeah, like I, I mean... I, I keep looking at, like, I keep thinking about Ryan McMahon and just how awful he's been for, I mean, really like the last month, but really he's been kind of not useful for like three months now. Um, not necessarily saying I would drop Ryan McMahon for him, but if I was if I was in a spot where I was still relying on Ryan McMahon, sure, take a flyer. See if Rodolfo Castro can turn into something. Rodolfo Castro, Adam and Eno only, maybe in some of your 15-team leagues. He's very impressive. And you know who else is impressive? Express. Express confidence. Express you. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. Got to start with their cotton stretch shirts, which are breathable, stretch-infused cotton for all-day comfort. My first priority is always comfort, and if I'm not comfor- comfortable, I'm not confident. By the way, I feel very comfortable right now. You know why? This V-neck right here? 
That's right. Looks nice. You guessed it. It's Express. These are also machi machine washable, so you don't have to worry about dry cleaning and are available in all different kinds of solid colors. Maybe you need to dress up for a special occasion this summer, a wedding, graduation. Graduations are probably over, but you know, something like that, whatever it might be. Express offers suiting and separates designed to be worn together as a suit or separately with casual pieces. I bought one of their slim-fitting olive blazers from the Lux Comfort Collection, and it really is the perfect combination of style and comfort. Available in chambray, linen, seersucker, and the aforementioned Lux Comfort Knit. Make sure to be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and at Express.com. Express confidence, express you. Let's check in on some meh starting pitchers who were going on Wednesday Blake Snell, up against the Oakland A's, four innings, seven hits, four walks, four earned runs. He has gone just six-plus innings in three of 19 starts this season. And since 2019, following his Cy Young season in 2018, Blake Snell has pitched 241 in the third innings. He has a 4.48 ERA and a 1.35 whip. And we've brought this up all season, Chris, and the reason why I continue to do so is because he's 93% rostered, and he still started in 60% of CBS leagues. I don't know what else we need to see. I've dropped him, I believe, outside my top 60 starting pitchers. This guy should not be started on your fantasy team. Two starts, it doesn't matter. Like, good matchup. I need to see two, three starts in a row to earn trust to get Blake Snell back in my lineup. Frankly, Chris, I'm just... I am surprised that his roster rate and start percentage are still that high. I guess I'm not just because it's it's really hard to drop Blake Snell. Like you don't have to start. I understand him, it. No, no, yeah, no. That I yeah, he he shouldn't be started right now. No, um, I would drop him for Patrick Sandoval. By the way, I think yeah, I think Patrick Sandoval is going to be better <laughs> the rest of the season. I had Blake Snell at 54 the last time I updated my rankings, um, which is about a week plus ago. So yeah. There's just nothing about what he's doing right now this season. You know, he's getting a lot of strikeouts, but even that is, you know, he's got a 29% strikeout rate, which is pretty, pretty freaking good for most pitchers, but it's actually his lowest since 2017. He's got a 14% walk rate, which is bad for anybody. And he's getting hit really hard. You know, it's not like there's a lot of bad luck at play. If anything, he might be a little lucky that he only has a 544 ERA because he was under overperforming his expected ERA by 0.4 runs coming into today's start. He's getting hit hard. He's got bad control. He's not getting a, an elite number of strikeouts. Yeah, there, there's nothing good about it. I, I, one thing I will point out, as you said, you know, since 2018 or since the start of the 2019 season, he has that 448 ERA or whatever the, the exact number was. I'll just quibble with it because 2019, he was actually really, really good. He had a 3, 306 X ERA, 332 FIP. Last season, the X ERA and FIP weren't quite as good, but the X FIP was very good. He was awesome in that playoff run. There is something wrong with Blake Snell now. There's, there's something that's gone wrong with Blake Snell since last season to this season. And I wonder if it's... You know, the, the elbow issues that he's had over the past couple of seasons, there was a shoulder thing as well at one point, I believe. Yep. And so you know, there was a piece, um, God, I can't remember who wrote it. I think it was on Pitcher List uh, about a month ago, talking about how his arm slot's lower and how that's affected the movement of his breaking balls and how it's made his fastball less effective. And 
that's the kind of thing that like if he is fighting through something you know that might be an explanation he's still getting the velocity but if he has to change his mechanics to get that velocity and he's not throwing with his with as much control and that was never a strong suit for Blake Snell I it's really hard to find a reason to be optimistic get him out yeah get him out of those lineups Blake Snell I want to see that start percentage down below 20% by next week you could I guess an NL only you don't really have a choice but I don't even know if that makes up 20% of our CBS leagues probably not Zach Plesak up against the Cardinals five innings seven hits two runs four strikeouts another just mad performance from Zach Plesak and we did have a request on Twitter to try and figure out who Zach Plesak is this season and <laughs> I, I, your, your guess is I, as good I'll as mine got, I've got uh, Zach Plesak is 300 and let's see 246 and a third innings into his major league career he has a well below stri- average strikeout rate he's got pretty good control 2.2 walks per nine is pretty good um, it's not quite elite but it's you know well above average 1.5 home runs per nine a 455 FIP and a 362 ERA if you put all of those things and he has his ERAs over the course of his career and the two biggest sample sizes now are 381 and like 420 after tonight's start. Then he has the 228 ERA in, in 55 and a third innings in 2020. I think with nearly every pitcher, we would look at all that and say he's kind of just a guy. I don't understand why we wouldn't say it with him. I know he was awesome last year, but like, Mediocre pitchers have eight start stretches where they're awesome all the time. Yep. So I just, I, I look at it all and say like the margin for error is so slim for someone who gets hit as hard as he does that if he's not just absolutely on the top of his game, things can go ugly really quickly. And I think it's asking too much for him to be on top of his game all the time. I think he can be a useful fantasy pitcher, but you know the dreams of him being the next Shane Bieber, which I, I think was kind of what people were hoping after last season, was you know another huge success for the Indians. He's not the next Kyle Hendricks either. No, he's you know, not. I think he's fine to have around, but I I have trouble seeing an argument for him over even someone that we've been really uninterested in this season, like Adam Wainwright. Uh, let's quickly run through some of these other meh starting pitchers. You say Kikuchi. He's not really meh, but he's kind of been meh recently. And up against the Astros, five innings, four runs, three of those were earned. Seven strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes on 101 pitches against one of the lowest swinging strike rate teams in baseball in the Houston Astros. What stood out to me here is spin rates down over 140 RPM on each of the fastball, cutter, slider. That's been an issue for Kikuchi a little bit up and down here. He's been rocky, but overall, I still I look at everything between the swinging strike rate. He gets ground balls a good amount. I still trust Kikuchi. That, that's basically where I'm at. Yeah, one thing I'm looking for in this one was the changeup usage because that was way up in his last start. Yeah, he didn't use it that much today, but 14 times. You know, he's a legit four pitch pitcher. Um, I, like you, I I have faith. I just. Everything that's gone wrong for him basically comes down to the 24% home run to fly ball rate. And that's just really hard to sustain. Um, It's been much worse recently too. So I think that's 
why you see the last five or six starts, it looks a little bit rocky for him. But the strikeouts have been pretty good all year. The control has been pretty good. Like he's doing everything you want except getting crushed. And I, I believe he will, you know, we're going to do that buy and sell thing. He was actually a pitcher. I think you should buy. Yes. Yes. I was just going to say, you know, I don't have my players picked out for that because got a little bit behind here with Joey Gallo trade. So there's a lot going on. It's going to be all you, Chris, but Kikuchi. Yes. Pitcher to buy. If anyone is concerned about him, he's someone I would be excited to have on my fantasy team for the final two months. Last two mad pitchers here. Tony Disco, Anthony DeScofani. He's not mad. Overall numbers are still very good, but he is bad against the Dodgers. Oh my. Five starts this season against the Dodgers. I guess that means he's not going to have to face them again. Please, no more. 22 earned runs in 21 innings pitched. That is a 9.43 ERA. Descafani, we have found your kryptonite. And Kwang Hyun Kim, Kwang Hyun Kim, rather. He reeled us in. We were buying in. Quality starts left and right. Boom. We get hit with regression. He was at the Cardinals on Wednesday. Two and two thirds, five hits, five earned runs. Not at the Cardinals. He was at Cleveland. That would make a little bit more sense. But again, more often than not, that's why we cite the underlying numbers. Yeah. Of course, Kwang Hyun Kim it was going through a great stretch, but the underlying numbers... He doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. He allows a lot of fly balls. Everything said that he was going to regress, and then we get a start like this. I still think he's fine. You can use him in the right spots, but this was a pretty obvious regression. Just to go back to Descalfani, he's only given up 42 runs this season. So that means that he's made five starts against the Dodgers out of 21, and half of them have come, half of his runs allowed have come against the Dodgers. He has a 1.89 ERA against everyone else. I you know, you look at the underlying numbers, 360 FIP. You know, that's still pretty good. I think he's going to be useful moving forward, but yeah, no, if the Dodgers are on the schedule, I would not want him in my lineup. Don't don't do it anymore. Uh, one more thing to promote here, the, this is the final week. We are finalists for the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate all that you do for us and we hope that you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round to nominate Fantasy Baseball today. Go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category. We've included the link at the top of the episode description as well. We are going to take a quick break. When we return, Chris is going to tell you which players you should be buying and selling heading into the second half. Well, final two months. We'll do that next here. Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, Chris, we're going to start with players to buy. Who's the hitter that you're looking at for this stretch run? I already gave my picture, so we'll go with the hitter. Uh, you're only going to get three names in this segment unless we want to say you say Kikuchi again. But the hitter I'm going to buy is Whit Merrifield. Um, he's hitting like 226 in the month of July. He's hitting 272 over the course of the season as a whole. Seems, if not likely to get traded, it certainly seems like a strong possibility that he will be traded. And 
I just think he's going to hit 300 the rest of the way. I have so much confidence in his skill set. I have so much confidence in his track record, the, the ability to put the bat on the ball that, you know, wherever he lands, if it's, if he stays in Kansas city, if he goes somewhere else, I think he's going to have a very good finish to the season. He is, is he still leading the, the league in steals? Yes. With Mary. So, you know, it might cost a lot to get him as it should, but if someone is, frustrated by Merrifield's performance recently. Uh, he is absolutely a hitter I'm looking to buy. I have two buy high players that I've, I've talked a lot about and sure. Pete Alonzo in particular, if someone mm. is just not valuing him to the level that they should, I just think he's going to have a monster final two months of the season. I mean, he's had a monster July, so it's going to be a little bit harder now and, I gave you his name a, a while back, but Pete Alonso is definitely someone I'm still buying in on. And Sean Manaya, two buy highs here. And I've been very excited about Manaya. Seems like all season I, I've just been a little bit higher on him than you mm. guys in the rankings. And his last two starts, he has 22 strikeouts during that stretch. And on Wednesday, six shutout, nine strikeouts against the Padres, 15 swinging strikes in that start. The ERA is down to 3.01, career high swinging strike rate for Sean Manaya. I just think there are people out there who maybe like Yusei Kikuchi, they're just not buying into the level that they should. And even his teammate, Chris Bassett, is another pitcher like that where we just look at him and we're like, all right, yeah, like he's good. But I have both of these guys ranked inside my top 40 starting pitchers. And you can argue maybe they should be even a little bit higher there. So Manaya and Pete Alonso for me, players to sell. Chris, who you got? One hitter and one pitcher. The thing I'll add on Manaya is. He's now averaged 92.9 miles per hour or better with his fastball in three of his last four starts. He was up to 93.2 miles per hour. I think that might actually be uh, the highest of the season for him with that sinker. So that um, actually, yeah, that's that's his highest since 2017. Um Manaya has always been a guy who will go through these stretches. He reminds me a little bit of Alex Wood. Um, he goes through these stretches where he looks really, really good, but then he comes back down to earth. He's really hard to pick up. He's hard to, um, you know, for, for opposing hitters to, to pick up his delivery. If he's throwing 93 to 95 instead of 90 to 92, all of a sudden that, that plays up even more. And so... I do think, yeah, there, there's definitely something going on with Shamanaya that makes him uh, worth buying if he can keep this up. I'll also add a pitcher that, you know, is not a buy low, but, you know, right now is more of a buy high, but Kenta Maeda, you know, I think he's back. The, the splitter and slider, which are the two signature pitches for him, they've been working really well lately. I know his last um, six starts, I think, have been really, really good ERA. I want to say under two five in that stretch. Um, he had one blow up start and it's since that stretch. I don't know the exact uh, stats. I was looking them up recently, but he's another pitcher that I would definitely be looking to buy if I get the opportunity. Yeah. It just looks like Kent Maeda is finally healthy and it's his last five starts. The entire five month, starts, yeah. the entire month of July, 2.15 ERA, 11 K per nine under two walks per nine. That's a big part of this too. Earlier in the season, Maeda was walking a lot. You saw the yeah. control kind of erratic for him, which we've never really seen from Kenta Maeda. And he was giving mm -hmm. up a lot more hard contact. And during this five-star stretch, an 85.3 mile per hour average exit velocity, which is fantastic. I will point out, 
three of those starts against the Tigers, one of them against the Royals. So yeah. you keep that in mind, but I do think Kent Maeda is back compared to what he was doing earlier in the season, for sure. Uh, players to sell, Chris. One hitter, one pitcher? Yeah, I mean, we talked about him earlier, but Starling Marte. You know, if... Um, if I'm in a roto league, especially, I think the the effect might be muted in a points league because we're going to see more runs in RBI. But if I'm in a roto league, you know, because steals are so scarce, I think trying to sell him right now because I do think he's going to run less. If you can get a huge return, if somebody values him like a top ten uh, outfielder and you're you're okay with steals. I do think trying to sell him makes sense because I do think he'll be less valuable after this trade. If I can move him for, gosh, like an Aaron Judge, I would do that. Would you trade him straight up for Whit Merrifield? Yeah, I would rather have Whit Merrifield than than Starling Marte, but that's been true all season. I will just say, you know, you guys give me stuff for Yankees, but what, Starling Marte just leaves the Marlins? Now you just got to trade him away from your fantasy team? I mean, come on, Chris. Oh, yeah, no, that's 100%. I mean, that's there's no question about it. A the, pitcher? the Marlins turn every hitter into into magic. <laughs> a pitcher to sell? <sighs> I know you don't agree, but Jamison Tyone. I just don't buy what he's doing lately. I, I don't think there's much there. I know the, uh, you know, he is coming, you know, not coming back. He's back from the injury, but he's, you know, starting to find himself or maybe getting more comfortable. Yeah, I don't really buy it. He had the nine strikeout start on July 6th. Since then, uh, 11 strikeouts, seven walks, and 18 and a third innings pitched. I just, I don't think he's got the juice. Um, I, I just, I don't see it there. The The nine strikeouts really stand out like a sore thumb. You know, no matter how far back you go, you really can't get to a point where he's got even an average strikeout rate. So I just, I, I don't think Jamison Tyone's going to be able to stay, um, you know, as even an average pitcher moving forward. No, I'm fine with that. Really one. hating hard on the Yankees here. No, no, I'm actually fine with that one because during this four star stretch, he's got a 1.42 ERA. His XFIP is 5.32. And that's yeah. because he's allowing over 50% fly balls and he pitches in Yankee Stadium. And yeah. he's not getting those swings and misses. Swinging strike rate is right around 11%. That's about league average. Just yeah. 7.1K per nine. I think Tyone is fine as a streaming starting pitcher. He's mm-hmm. just inside my top 70, but I don't know that he's going to be much better than that unless he starts to get a few more ground balls here. I swear I didn't pick two Yankees on purpose. Yeah. How dare you, Chris? All right, we have about 10 minutes left. Let's try and run through as much of this stuff as we possibly can. Uh, what do we do with these starting pitchers? Madison Bumgarner at the Rangers on Wednesday. Seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts. He's 57% rostered, and it looks like he's in line for two starts next week up against the Giants at the Padres. Any interest? Not the best matchups. No. It's but not. he's a streamer. He's a fine two-start option. I would imagine he'll be ranked pretty highly in Scott's two-star pitchers list. Jordan Lyles is the pitcher who opposed Madison Bumgarner in the start. Seven innings, two runs, six strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes on 98 pitches. By the way, I think this game is a perfect example of stream your pitchers against the Diamondbacks and the Rangers moving forward, especially no Joey Gallo. I mean, those two are just prime matchups. Anyway, Jordan Lyles, 10% rostered, up against the Angels and at the Oakland A's next week. Anything? Two-star streamer only in points leagues. 
Uh, he is actually going deep into games lately. Um, over his last six outings, he's gone at least six innings in uh, five of them. He's only, or actually now seven because he went seven in this one. He's gone at least six innings in six of his last seven. He's gone at least seven in three of that stretch. One of them wasn't even a start. He actually pitched six innings out of relief. Um, so, you know, in a points league, because of that volume, I think you can get away with using him in a two-start week. But Roto, I still think the most likely outcome is he's going to be a four or five ERA guy at, at, you know, at best rest of season. I probably should have talked about Tanner Houck sooner than 55 minutes into the podcast, mm-hmm. but he went up against the Blue Jays on Wednesday. Four innings, one run, one walk, seven strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on only 75 pitches against a really, really good Blue Jays lineup. 33% called strike plus swinging strike percentage there. Caught strike percentage. Got that right for you, Chris. Someone pointed out via email that you can swing at a strike and it might not be caught. So it's caught eventually. <laughs> uh, Tanner Houck is 41% rostered in three games, two starts since being recalled. 11.2 innings, one run, 18 strikeouts. There might be something here. Yeah, there's definitely something there. I mean, he's appeared in, he, he's thrown what, 40, 39 and a third innings in his major league career, and he's got quick math 52 strikeouts. Pretty good. Um, only more quick math, 14 walks in those 39 innings. That's actually quite impressive. Um, I just think the problem is he's always going to be uh, a short spurts kind of guy because he really is just a two pitch pitcher. And it's not like he's, uh, you know, like a Denelson Lamette type where he's throwing the slider 50% of the time. It's been more like 60 40. So I, I think he's probably always going to have trouble pitching deep into games. They're, they're probably always going to have a pretty tight leash on him in that third time through the order. But, you know, there's there's value in that kind of guy if he can keep racking up big strikeout numbers like he has. You know, 15 and nine innings over the last two starts. Uh, Chris Bubich, six innings, two runs, three strikeouts against the White Sox. He's 8% rostered. That's three straight starts for Bubich of at least six innings and two earned runs or less. And it looks like he's in line for two starts next week at the White Sox at the Cardinals. I kind of like Bubich. He's He's got three pitches. I don't know that any of them are great, but I like what I've seen this through this three-start stretch. I like him more than Lyles and Madbum. I guess because he's young. That That's kind of the only thing I really think he has going for him. You know, you look at the, you know, the XERA is 581 right now, which is... Like when you've got a four seven two ERA and your X or four five eight ERA and your X ERA is a run worse, that's that's a pretty bad sign. I I do remember you know when he got called up being pretty interested in him, but he just doesn't seem to have good stuff. Like the the secondary pitches don't get many swinging strikes. The fastball is well below average in speed and spin rate, and so. I don't see how he gets it done, especially because he's got pretty mediocre control. So I would like to be interested in him, but I can't get there. Last three names here. Adrian Hauser, five shutout against the Pirates. He has a 3.69 ERA, gets a ton of ground balls. His velocity was actually up about two miles per hour on the fastball in that start. Looks like he's in, in line for two starts next week 
against the Pirates, against the Giants. 15-team Roto, maybe you stream him there. Nestor Cortez, the ERA is now down to 1.93, 0.95 whip with the Yankees. I don't actually think he's all that good, but the underlying numbers really support Nestor Cortez. He's 3% rostered. He has SPARP eligibility. AL only, the deepest of leagues. Uh, and then Michael mm-hmm. Waka in the month of July, he's made four starts, 3.60 ERA, 1.05 whip, 12% rostered. And the matchups next week, if this actually works out, because there's always stuff changing with matchups, but Mariners and at the Orioles for Waka, it's pretty good. Yeah, again, the, the underlying numbers are pretty gross. Pretty gross. For Michael Waka, 6.08 XERA and... Well, that is that. I guess that was coming into today. It's probably gone down a little bit. Uh, he has the last four seasons. His best xera is the four six one he put up last season. Yikes! That's that's not, that's not great. That's certainly not what you want to see. And you know, he went against the Yankees today. I think you know, especially moving forward, the Yankees are going to kind of like they're not going to be a good matchup for pitchers. They're going to be like the ultimate boomer bust matchup though sure because a third of their hitters are Aaron Judge Giancarlo Stanton and Joey Gallo yeah that's uh you're either going to get crushed or you're going to get 10 strikeouts and you might do both as a team the Yankees had a 24.4 percent strikeout rate this season that's the 10th highest in baseball that's without Joey Gallo on that on their team so and with you know Judge and Stanton missing some time just keep that in mind uh (laughs) real quickly where do we add these hitters, if anywhere? So I'll bring up a name. You just tell me what type of format, what size league. Cesar Hernandez went two for three with his 18th home run, his last seven games. He's batting 346 with three homers, 61% rostered. I saw his homer today was was a wall scraper. I wanted to see what rate, what uh, percentage of his home runs have been just barely enough to leave. And... Uh, uh, fewer than I thought, actually. His ex home run is fifteen point four. That's it's actually better than I would have expected. Um, I still think like his problem has always been he's a little bit more of a points league guy, but points is the shallower format. Uh, but he's worth starting in a twelve team league uh, as a middle infielder. AJ Pollock. Yeah. He went three for four with an RBI, a run scored, and his fourth stolen base. The dude is hot right now. Fifty seven percent rostered. Any league where you start more than three outfielders, I think. Miles Straw went two for five with two steals. He's now up to 17 steals on the season. He's 38% rostered. Just rotor categories leagues where you need speed. No no value outside of that. Yeah, he's really a one-trick pony. 262 batting average. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't help you. He's going to run for... He's going to steal 25 bases and hit 265 this season. Before the season, we definitely would have taken that. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I guess even in three outfielder leagues, categories, if you really need yeah. speed, Miles Straw, that's that's a name for you. Dawson Varsho, 10 hits, four homers over his last seven games. He has started in center field in two of the last three games. 43% rostered. I'm going to marry these together. Max Stassi hit his ninth home run of the season on Wednesday. He's 51% rostered. Which one would you rather have, Chris? Varsho, Stassi? I want it to be Varsho. I really, really badly want it to be Varsho because the the potential to get a power speed guy uh, at catcher is so hard to pass up. What's his playing time look like when Cattell Marte gets back? Which should be 
next week, right? It could be. He, I believe, just he recently started his started his rehab assignment on Monday. Yes. So, I mean, obviously, the way this season has gone, there's no guarantee Cattell Marte stays back when he's back. But yeah, I think that's the that's the concern. It's just what the, what's the playing time look like? But I think it would still be Varsho over Stassi. Oh come on, Stassi's the man. He's inside yeah, my top good. 10 catchers. I'll take Sassy. I like both of these guys, though. I, I think Varsho mm-hmm. is pushing that top 12 range where move him ahead of James McCann and Sean Murphy and maybe even Omar Narvaez at this point. Varsho is very interesting. And now starting in center field definitely helps give you volume from the catcher position. Mm-hmm. Carson Kelly is a name that's going to return at some point, too. But with Eduardo Escobar, Escobar being traded... You could get yeah, Cattell Marte maybe. back at second base if they want to go that route. As long as Varsho's playing well, they're, I think they're going to leave him in center field. So I like both yeah, of these I mean, these look, guys. if he keeps hitting like this, yeah, he's going to force the force the point either way. All right, the calls to the pen. Some bullpen updates for the Blue Jays. Jordan Romano got his eighth save in game one of the doubleheader. Then Matt Barnes got his 23rd save in game two. For the Mets, Edwin Diaz got his 23rd save for the Yankees. Aroldis Chapman has looked very good the past couple of outings. 20th save for him for the Diamondbacks. Joaquin Soria was used in the eighth inning. Tyler Clippard picked up his first save of the season, his first save in three years. How about that? The White Sox, Liam Hendricks gave up a solo home run to Salvador Perez. He took his fifth blown save of the season, and I saw that the Angels only won by... Rysel Iglesias, I think he got a win. Yes, he did. I think he pitched the top of the ninth um, or bottom of the ninth in a tie game and then got the win. Hmm. Well, they were home, so he pitched the top. It looks like he gave up some... No, he didn't. So he came in the eighth in a jam. He gave okay. up... He gave up... A, blow, actually blew the save. Yeah. And then got the win. Okay, there you go. One of those wins. So <laughs> It really wasn't a good one. By the way, yeah. Shohei Otani hit his 37th home run. It's very late in the podcast, but still worth mentioning. Walker Bueller has now gone six plus innings in 20 of 21 starts this season. So just give it up to the guy Thursday to stream or not to stream Kyle Freeland at the Padres, Alex Cobb versus the A's Chad cool versus the Brewers, Luis Patino versus the Yankees and drew smiley at the Mets. It's very bad. Um, (laughs) Alex Cobb is the only one I would, I would even consider. Let's see if anyone else has... He might not make that start, though. Because it's entirely possible he gets traded. That is true. As of now, he's on the schedule, and he's on the yeah. Angels. So, we'll see what happens. I'm trying to see if there's... Has anyone else popped up here? Nope. There is nobody. It's it's a very bad day of streamers for Thursday. How about Friday? Let's see what we got. I didn't write these down beforehand, so we're doing it on the fly. We're doing Ryan, it live. Ryan, we'll do it live. Ryan Weathers is at home against the Rockies. Not bad. Okay, maybe. Um, do, do, do. Patrick Sandoval is still under 70% rostered. You should stream him and then keep him yeah, on your he's team. He's not a streamer, but yeah. Wade LeBlanc. Like Tuga no, Tucson. Bad. Also, like, Tuga you can Tucson. add Tuga Tucson. I don't know yeah. if I want to start him against the Brewers right now. That's true. They are hot. All right. And I assume Logan Gilbert is out of streaming uh, roster rate, but if he he's is. there, yeah. Colby Allard against the Mariners? Huh? Huh, Chris? Nah. <laughs> who's facing the Pirates? Oh, Aaron Nola. He's going to be in your lineup anyway. Who's, Stream him. Who's facing the Marlins? Jameson Tyone. He's over mm. 70% rostered. Start him. 
there's not really Martin Perez at Tampa Bay. They do struggle against lefties quite a bit. Yeah. Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight at the Tigers. Two straight quality starts. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Ross Stripling, actually, I do like against Kansas City. I know he's under 70% rostered. So we'll give yeah, you one. one. Ross Stripling up against the Kansas City Royals. I believe the first game back in the Rogers Center. So it should be a lot of fun there for the Blue Jays and their fans. We're going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.